0: I'll be reading from the book of Titus, chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Morning, Redemption Arcadia. How are we doing? Well, good, okay. My name is Josh Prather, for those of you that don't know me. Um, I am one of the elders here, and I'm a pastor at Redemption Church. I work centrally, and Frank is the primary communicator up here. So if this is your first time, you usually will be hearing from him, but it's always a pleasure when I get to step up here and have some time teaching God's Word. So we've been going through a series On Titus, talking about sound doctrine and healthy leadership, and this reminds me of a story, because I think it's what Paul is trying to do in the book of Titus, and what I think is actually being accomplished with the church, and also, when we come to us today, what do we have to learn, or what is Paul trying to communicate to us through the book of Titus? For those of you that don't know my story well, when I was in high school, I loved football. It was my primary sport. Put me on the football field, I'm usually not so relaxed, So kind of like outside linebacker, fullback, put 30 pounds on me, and that was me playing football. Um, But every once in a while, you get your bell rung in football, and then they usually give you something called smelling salts. And what that is, is something to try to realign you, you know? So you get hit, you're like a little dizzy, smelling salts, realign you, and that is what Paul is trying to do here. He's trying to realign us with sound doctrine. Here is what sound doctrine is. Here is what sound doctrine looks like. Realigning the church. And it's not just dry, sound doctrine. Because usually when we talk about doctrine, we talk about theology. People think it's a list of rules. Oh, some more stuff I have to do. Some more things I need to obey. Give me a list. That's not the case. Because we know from John 1 that the word, that is sound doctrine, sound doctrine became flesh and dwelt among us. So when we think of sound doctrine, we're not thinking of a list of rules. When we think of even qualifications for elder, we're not just thinking of a list of things to do. We're thinking about Jesus and saying, how do we align ourselves with the person and the work of Jesus, the embodiment of sound doctrine? And the church is supposed to align themselves with this sound doctrine so that they can be a reflection to the nation. We sit, we follow Jesus, align ourselves with sound doctrine that shapes us as a people. We turn and it should shape the nation. So, Darrow Miller, a uh, thinker, theologian I really appreciate, says that if you don't disciple the nation, the nation will disciple the church. If you don't disciple the nation, the nation will disciple the church. And I think about our nation now. We're in the midst of a presidential race. We have a lot of candidates that we're looking at. And I asked myself, okay, has the church discipled the nation in such a way that the primary leaders of our nation reflect the qualifications of elder? We said that before. Not everybody will be an elder in God's church, but everybody should aspire to the role of elder. Everybody should meet the qualifications of elder. So I think about our presidential candidates and say, are they self-controlled? Are they above reproach? Are they upright? Are they hospitable? And that word hospitable is, are they welcoming to the foreigner, to the marginalized, to the least of these? Do we see this in our nation? Or has the nation discipled the church? Have we actually been discipled by our nation? And no longer is the nation discipling or the church discipling the nation. The nation is now discipled and shaped us as a people. You know, I also have the privilege to travel around the world to many different places. And one of the places I love is is Ethiopia. And you can see what God is doing around the nations. You can see that in latin america africa and asia the church is expanding and the majority of the world's christians now live outside of the western world and i've had the privilege to visit places that i actually get a glimpse of seeing what it looks like for the church to disciple the nation and not the other way around it's been an incredible privilege by 2025 africa is predicted to be the central hub of global Christianity. So I think no longer is this just something nice that we should do. We have to. We have to. If we want to align ourselves as a church with sound doctrine, we have to listen to the nations because the gospel is expanding across the world. But here we sit and we say, I think the nation is discipling us. And we have to learn from our brothers and sisters around the world, which is why it's a privilege for me to welcome Bezalem and Demolesh, you guys can come up. Yeah, thank you. It's been a privilege for me to get to know these guys over the the last few years, and I asked them to come and speak with us and share a little bit. What we're going to try to do is, with this vision of Titus, what we're going to try to do is walk through and hear from them as we're thinking about sound doctrine and healthy leadership, sitting under the authority of Titus 1, and then saying, okay, what can we learn from the global church, and how can it help us become disciples of Jesus? So, if you guys would, please just take a moment and uh, introduce yourselves to everybody, please.
1: My name is Bezalem Faisa. I came uh, from Ethiopia. I was born and raised in Addis Ababa, the capital city. I uh, studied medicine and uh, transformational leadership and change. Uh, I became a Christian. Uh, Just uh, when I graduated from high school as a result of a reformation movement that was taking place in the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, a very traditional church, uh, which I will be talking a bit later. And I'm married. I have uh, two kids, eight years old and and, uh, 10 years old. Thank you.
2: My name is Demalash. I was born and raised uh, in Ethiopia, outside the capital city, Addis Ababa. I came uh, from the orthodox background. That's very traditional in Ethiopia. And uh, I came to know the Lord at the age of 13 when I joined high school. Uh, for good reason of uh, life question. Uh, what about you know, knowing truths and uh, life after death? because I lost my dad at the age of one, my sister at the age of four. So I, I was you know, wondering about the meaning of life. And God has really led my family, to my relative to take me to the church. Then uh, through that process, I get to know the Lord as my Lord and Savior. However, uh, during that time, it was, uh, Ethiopia was going through a communist system, so during the persecution. Uh, that was you know, a tough time to learn most of the things which I'm going to say later on. Uh, I graduated from uh, Addis University in Economics, later Master's in Leadership and Theology. Um, I'm married. I have two boys, 16 and 14. Thank you. That's great.
0: So thinking of sound doctrine, I think Besam has an incredible story about how he was raised in the Ethiopian Orthodox Church and now him and what God was doing around the nations to align people with hygienic. That's the word Frank has been using for sound doctrine that's actually clean and pure, healthy doctrine. So talk about your story a little bit and how you've seen God move and align you with sound doctrine.
1: I grew up in in, in an Orthodox believing family whereby, you know, uh, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church has been in that nation for over thousand uh, and six hundred years. As you all know, gospel came to Ethiopia through the Ethiopian Yanuk in early as early as thirty three, thirty four AD and, and became a state or an official religion of the country in the fourth century, next to Armenia. Even it became uh, before it became a uh, national or, or a religion of the Roman Empire. But the Orthodox Church is very, very traditional church, you know, where you uh, have a lot. You have a lot of, you, you have a lot of uh, salvation, not through grace, but through works, and you trust in Mary, trust in angels, in so many ways. There are a number of uh, doctors. That's the church that that I, uh, uh, my mom and my dad went in, and that's the kind of family that I grew up. But I have never been exposed to what the scriptures tells and what the scriptures teach since I became a ninth grade student in the high school. By the time I became a ninth grade student in the high school, it was in 1991 uh, in, in your calendar. And that was the time when the communist government fell apart and uh, fell apart and, and a new government came. And the school was closed for three months. And at that time, I heard that there is a Sunday school uh, that was open in the nearby Ethiopian Orthodox uh, local church. And I went there, I enrolled, and I started. No, you know. That was the first time I get exposed to what the scripture is and start reading scriptures, you know, studied in the orthodox way, and, and trained to in the orthodox way, preaching in, in high school and in the church, and fasting and praying and doing good work so that I, got, I might get saved, and, and doing all these things, you know. And, and, but down the road, three years later, you know, I, I start to become very skeptical of the doctrines and the practices of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, the church that I am serving, you know, uh, especially when it comes to salvation, through work and salvation, not only through Christ, but also through Mary, through angels, in, 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 in so many ways. So I start to question, and critically you know, question these things. Does salvation come through work? Does salvation is, come through uh, uh, not only through grace? Does salvation, can we, get, can we be saved outside of you know, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? These are some of the codes that we wrestle. After we, you know, read you know the scripture, but also we're, you know, uh, uh, studying the word of God together in our neighborhoods and with other young guys of my age. Also, this was not only the co- this was not only the question of me, but also uh, a number of young guys in the high school, in the universities throughout the country, costing and going through the same the same kind of experience. God was really bringing a movement in, in the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, trying to bring and align the church in sound doctrine, and, and I, we, we put our faith and trust in Jesus, and persecution broke out. The authorities in the Ethiopian Orthodox Church were not comfortable with what's going on, you know, with the young in the different uh, local churches, and we left the church. But, you know, uh, and started sharing, you know, this with our neighbors and with our friends. And that small group, which we're coming together, gathering around together to study the Word of God, fellowship, pray, grew to become a local church, and, 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 and we've been able to plan uh, 20 more churches in the last 20 years and, and, and also that, that movement grew throughout the country which I'm the board chairman and, and, and which is over 315 local churches and fellowship of local churches and network of local churches uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm serving. And in this movement that, that, was, that emerges uh, among the young, among the high school and the uh, college students have really shaken the church from its root. They have never had experienced such a movement in their whole history. They have been there for 1,600 years, but these are not questions that have been raised in the church. It was, it was a big revival, and it has impacted the church. Currently, the church is, is, not, is still, there's a lot of things that need to be done, but has, has been transformed so much, and, and uh, uh, hugely, as a result of that movement that takes place 25 years ago in the country and in, 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 in that nation.
0: It's an amazing story, Um, just how young leaders, 18 years old, coming out of high school, um, are saved by God's grace, and recognize that we're saved by faith alone, in Christ alone. I mean, no works can buy our salvation. 18-year-old men losing their lives, being persecuted, being kicked out of their homes. And he said yesterday, which I thought was incredible, that was the most formative time in his life as a young leader is under that persecution, under that suffering, when they were bound together and God was doing this movement across the nation. It wasn't just in a few guys, but now there's 350 churches and God was doing this across the nation. Dimilesh, I'd love for you to talk a little bit just on what you think is one of the greatest strengths of the Ethiopian church that we can, that we can learn from.
2: As my brother, Basil, already mentioned, the Ethiopian evangelical church basically uh, is a persecuted church because the state church is the dominant church that pushed away the evangelicals and the missionaries not to be, you know, really the church to be planted in Ethiopia. So it was, you know, uh, from early 4th century up to the end of 19th century, uh, the missionaries are really not allowed to come to Ethiopia, especially during the king's uh, and the emperor's uh, regime. Uh, so the evangelicals are persecuted. Then by 1970s, and uh, the new government came into power, that's a communist government, that altogether closed down all churches. And uh, they put uh, uh, the leaders, the pastors into jail, killed them, confiscated all the materials. So the church, now another time, go into underground program. So those process, and as I mentioned earlier, as I introduced myself, I was born during such persecution time. And uh, in that environment, the evangelical church, despite their denominational differences, they were working together. God used those persecution time as a blessing as a means to bring all them together. So that jointly, corporately praying, fervently praying, fasting, looking for God's guidance and the spirit to move, uh, to uproot this uh, common system and uh, uh, to reach out to the rich people group. So those blessings where we, we got during that time, and uh, paved the way uh, uh, for the formation of Evangelical Church Fellowship of Ethiopia, which is a a broader umbrella, where 98% of all evangelical denominations across Pentecostal, uh, Baptist, Lutheran, uh, charismatic church are under one, this greater umbrella, working together. They have their own denominational, doctrinal uh, thing, but they come together as a Christian as one uh, uh, kingdom, uh, heritage people, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, so they do a conference, a prayer time, reaching out to the rich people group, reaching to their community, serving their you know uh, community, and uh, still corporately as a communal, uh, the out voice and. Uh, Speak to the government. These are uh, the, the greatest blessing which the Ethiopian Evangelical Churches are really enjoying right now. And uh, for your information, I'm from Charismatic Lutheran Church. If if you know something like you know Lutheran Charismatic, so we're closely working with him. Uh, really, uh, every Evangelical Church are working together, ministering, and uh, even exchange of ministers, choirs. That's a very common blessing we have in Ethiopia, really.
0: That's great. You know, I've never seen unity in a church like that until I went to to Ethiopia. I just want to say that statistic again. If you didn't hear that, 98% of the evangelical churches from Lutheran to Pentecostal (laughs) to Baptist unified together under one umbrella for the sake of the gospel and under the lordship. Of Jesus Christ holding to the doctrine that they think matters as local churches but saying what can we unify together on for the sake of Jesus here in this nation and it was born out of persecution and suffering where he said man we really need one another and we have to be bound together I think it's incredible what would you say is one of the challenges and the reason I'm going to ask him this is because we want to be globally minded Christians that can pray for our global neighbors so and thinking about Ethiopia what are some of the challenges and how can we pray
2: Yeah, now, you know, those uh, persecution time has gone. Now we are experiencing for the first time in evangelical uh, church history in Ethiopia, uh, freedom uh, of worship. So those uh, denomination and, you know, uh, people are now going back to their cage. Now building their own building, you know, the the strings we had is really weighing down. And uh, that is one of the great challenge we have because that was our beauty, our strengths, which the Lord has blessed us in different ways. Uh, but now that's you know, one of the areas we are really challenged. And the second part is as independent churches are coming up uh, because of this freedom, uh, in some instances, we agree, you know, churches to keep you know, growing and break out in, in some cases. But they're bringing in uh, some of uh, the doctrines that doesn't align itself with what we're really reading from the book of Titus. So instead of focusing on Christ Jesus, on his work alone, uh, people are now moving away for you know, looking for some spiritual uh, things and getting you know, healing, you know, health issue, wealth issue. So uh, the focus is now shifting. So that's an area where we need uh, your prayer.
0: That's good. Just recap that for the sake of our prayers. We'd be a prayerful people. That the challenges right now is that unity, because there's more freedom, they're not as bound together and they're starting to see it unravel a bit. So, something we can pray for. And then also, they're starting to see churches that are starting to spring up that are not aligning themselves with sound doctrine and in particular the cross of Jesus Christ how are they aligning themselves with Jesus and moving towards him Beslam I think your church has done some incredible things this word hospitality when we're talking about an elder to just tie this into the book of Titus an elder is to be hospitable welcoming of the least of these to foreigners it's not speaking just of christians but those outside of the church are we being a welcoming community it's what we should all strive to do that's what an elder should be and i think your church has done a phenomenal job at that so why don't you just talk a little bit and then i believe we have some pictures that we can put up just as he's talking that you can get a an image of what's what's been done and what's happening go ahead
1: thank you you know uh ten years ago the lord the lord uh, as I was uh, uh, practicing medicine in a pediatric unit, the Lord spoke to my heart that Do you want to be remembered in this nation for being a repairer of the broken wall. You now, I was asking you, oh, what are those broken walls that, that, that we need to repair in our nation? Even if I um, grown up you know, in a, an middle income family, and I was raised and in, in, grown up in a, in a nation, in a country, where uh, poverty was rampant, and it was the, one of the poorest nations in the whole world, and I know what, what it means to be poor. But the Lord started to show me you know, the days of misery and poverty that were so prevalent in our communities, among the orphans and among the widows. So uh, um, that, that really, you know, touched my heart, especially the Lord led me to the uh, verse you know, in Isaiah 58 where the prophet Isaiah was rebuking and, and speaking loud and, and rebuking the nation of Israel for not being sensitive to the needs of their community. They were not feeding the hungry. They were not closing the neck. They were not welcoming the wanderers. And they were not sharing their resources with the poor. And But they were spiritual. They were praying. They were fasting. They were seeking the Lord and God's judgment and God's placings. But they, they were not seeing all the fruits of their They labor and they were asking, why are you not blessing us? Why are you not hearing our voices? Why are you not hearing our prayers?" And the Lord spoke, is that the fasting and the prayer that I want? I want you to untie and do something against the injustices that's been made in your community. Go out and and, take care of the needy and clothe the neck and feed the poor. And that was the words that came to my mind, in my heart, so strong. I was crying, I was burdened, and, and I went back to church And then start sharing this with the elders of the church and and, and start to go and look in the needs of the community. As I was visiting the community, the widows and the orphans, the days of misery, the days of poverty that I saw, you know, was so huge to a point where I said, I don't know what it means to be poor. I know, you know, you may be very close to the poor and you may not know what poverty is. The days and and the misery and the, the brokenness that so prevalent in our society, in our community. Then we start sharing this vision with the church and start sponsoring orphan kids and and widows, help them with their education, provide them with uh, food, provide them with uh, school uniforms and and exercise books, help them with their education through tutorial programs and and help them clean them and have a beauty day and help them with their medical expenses. And in many ways we start to partner and work with an orphan kid that lives in the community and, and, and start visiting widows and provide them with food and provide them with resources so they can cope up with, you know, they, the situation as they were living was so, was so, uh, you know, heartbreaking, you know, living in homes where there is uh, no doors, you know, where there is, or the roofs are, are porous and in times of rain, you know, they cannot, they will not shelter them, so we start, you know, renovating their houses and, and, and trying to at least to bring some, some sort of dignity to them, you know. And let me share you one of the testimonies. You know, I've, I was a, a widow that we visited, and she said, you know, you know it was, it was, there was a big cathedral that has been built, you know, close to her in the Orthodox Church. And she said the priestess, you know, those who need to care for us, are building a nice, you know, cathedral worth millions of, birth, maybe thousands, hundreds, thousands of US dollars. And then she said, but the temple of God is being ruined in this house. And she said, what's important? Me or the building? She said. Well, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was amazed, you know. So, you know, currently all these uh, kids that we have been sponsoring are being in vocational schools and graduating from high schools and joining the universities. Recently, you know, a girl who graduated from a high school and joined the university was sharing her testimony before, before the church. And she said... You know, if, if, if it were not for this help, I would have ended up, you know, not being able to have this privilege. And then you have brought dignity. You have brought dignity to me. And she was blatant in the church. And she was the church. And, you know, it, it doesn't take too much sometimes, you know, to really show our love to the needy. You know, the first time when I, you know, go around the community and, 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 and listen to God, how are we going to do it? How much resource is it going to take? Where are we going to get this resource from? But the Lord was sharing and telling to us, what do you have on your hands? You know, sometimes two fish, five fish, and two loaves of bread in the hands of God, and then sacrificial giving, and a giving it, and, and, and God matching it, could feed a multitude. And that's what we are seeing and testifying. Small resources, almost you know, $10 per, per, per kid per month, which is equivalent to two cups of you know, Starbucks coffee. So, um, but, but bringing healing, transformation, dignity to impoverished children. So I, I would like to invite you to join us in bringing dignity to Not giving money, but bringing dignity to those kids. Thank you.
0: That's great. And these are pictures, if you're wondering what the pictures are. It's uh, training kids. It's working with orphans. It's the widows that they care for. All of that's up on the screen as he's talking through it. You know, something that Paul says a little later on in Chapter 1 <clears throat> is to rebuke them because they're not aligning themselves with sound doctrine. So what he's saying to Titus, there's those of the circumcision party that are teaching what is contrary to sound doctrine. So please, I'm asking you to rebuke them so that they can align themselves. And I think for us, this is hard for you to say, but I know you love us and we love you, but I think it's really important for us to align ourselves as an American church, as Redemption Arcadia, with sound doctrine. So where do you see some lacking maybe in sound doctrine that you could rebuke us in love, I know it's in love, and challenge us to align ourselves as a church?
1: One of the areas where I, where I have seen that, that the, the church in America needs to really think about and, and, and really um, uh, repaint off is the materialism that we are uh, so so prevalent. I know God blesses you with resources, and then God wants us to enjoy life. We're not, we're not promoting, you know, asceticism or something like that. But at the same time, we have a responsibility and we have to be good stewards of those resources and be able to share. So that's what uh, Paul tells to Timothy, so that they may be, you know, rich in good workers. You know, sometimes a, sound, a doctrine that's divorced from life, a doctrine that's di- divorced from practice, is, is, not, is not a doctrine. He always talks about a doctrine that gives life and that, so he encouraged uh, Timothy and, and Titus to encourage the church and, and, and the believers to, to be rich in good workers, to be able to enjoy life but at the same time be responsible for the poor in your neighborhood and, 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 and far off. So I, I really want to uh, share that we need to be more sensitive you know, to the needs of uh, the poor in, in, in Ethiopia, in Africa, in, in the different parts mm-hmm. of the world. So one of the areas we need to grow is being sensitive. You know, why, why God, God judges uh, Sodom and Gomorrah? You know, sometimes we will always associate those places, those nations, with, with, uh, with wrong sexual behaviors. But the prophet, you know, uh, talks about those places, you know, and he talks about their indulgence and their being insensitive to the nearest of, of uh, the poor. Jeremiah rebukes the nation of Israel. Don't you know why God judged those nations? It's because they were insensitive to the needs of the poor and they were indulgent. So in order to avoid God's judgment from com- coming to, our, to us and to the nations, we need to be sensitive to the needs of the poor. That's one area where the, na- the church in America needs to think about and be a blessing to, to others, to those who are in need. But the second area where I see is, is the division. we are divide across. Wales, we are divided across, you know, race. And there is there's a, a division that is so prevalent in the church. So this is not something that we need to be, you know, comfortable with or comfortable about. This is a gospel problem. You know, when we are divided, and, and that means, you know, those walls that have been destroyed by the cross of Jesus Christ, we are rebuilding it, and, and, and not also rebuilding, but making the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ nullifying and, and Jesus, it, it has deep and profound implications. It, it, it speaks to the world that, and, and, and that the Lord Jesus Christ has died for nothing. So, you know, Paul, looking at the vision in the church in Rome across many lines, and he, he said, I have to come and I have to preach the gospel to you. Because he, he saw those problems in light of the gospel. They are not simple problems, but they are gospel problems. What fascinates the Roman Empire? in the early times were the rich and the poor, the Jew and Gentile, coming together, worshiping under the same Lord, sharing the same cup. And that's, that's so unique. That was a, a miracle taking place amidst you know, that empire, which, which it could not be without the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I pray for the Church of America to get united and, and, and <laughs> be more sensitive to the needs of the poor and, and deal with this materialism as well.
0: That's great. So as we're talking about praying for the world, we want to pray for our nation. And I think those are two really good things. And I'm going to let Demilesh talk to that. But how can we be sensitive to the needs of the poor and allow ourselves to move towards the poor with loving, compassionate action? and know they exist, how can we care, and then also seeing the division in our nation, how can we be a prayerful people for the impoverished communities that we see in our nation, but then also the division between rich and poor, between ethnicities, and say, how can there be unity in God's church and be a prayerful people towards that? So Demlesh, I'd love to hear from you as well. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Maybe I can, I may add uh, two points to be cautious. The, the, U.S. church to be cautious about is first, uh, historically, the the Third World or the the Southern uh, Hemispheres church look out to U.S. or the Western, part, especially the Americans. As you know, uh, a church that really based, or a nation that uh, founded based on biblical truths So those, you know, uh, leaders have founded the constitution and uh, the nation were built upon, you know, uh, very biblical sound doctrine where, you know, uh, work is taken uh, as a sacred way of doing. Uh, The marketplaces more uh, reflects God's, you know, uh, way of doing things. And uh, this time, as we see uh, from, from uh, our points, uh, this is a point you should be you know, cautious about or we really uh, uh, push you uh, to pray and uh, to think over it. Because now uh, the secular uh, mindset is really taking over even the churches and the marketplaces. So everything is driven business or profit-oriented type of you know, activities, instead of you know, integrity, uh, ethical and ve- very biblical and uh, you know, to glorify the Lord. You know, that every activity was meant to be you know, to glorify the Lord in you know, you know, what we do. But now those uh, good qualities of the nation now moving away. So you can see in every area of you know, the activities you have. And uh, this is the, 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 the main point in which really the, the southern or the developing nations are now no more trusting and you know, Americans are moving out. So you have to you know, pray uh, carefully work on it. Because once you lost, you lost forever. It's hard to bring it back. Because you know the devil is working hard. You now he has every, you know, weapons you know, to fight so that to move the nation away from the Lord, from the biblical truth. So this is one of the major points I want to say. And the second part is about family life. You know, the nation is built, you know, good, to get a good nation, you have to have a good family. So if the family is breaking down, you can imagine what's going on to the nation. Uh, no children bringing up in broken families, divorces. If we see that statistics going on, like in US, you know, the, the rates in the church, the, the rate of the divorce in the church uh, is somehow similar to the uh, secular world, those who are outside the church. So that shows how we are moving. Make sure you know, if the family is not well established, well taken care the nation will not be well, not well taken care. So uh, this are the major two areas, to value life, to take care of your nation. Uh, you know, you're enjoying the material, the spiritual well-being, but this, not will, this will not, might not be continued unless you preserve it, pray it, and think over it and work, especially the church intentionally working on their use Uh, on areas of uh, uh, these two major value areas. Thank you.
0: That's great. You know, we say all of life is all for Jesus at the church, and what we mean by that is that Christianity is meant to be a public faith, meaning that the gospel and the lordship of Jesus should influence every aspect of life. It shouldn't impact family, it should impact work, it should impact every relationship, it it should impact our hearts, all of life is all for Jesus. But what he's saying is now we're seeing in the global church that America has made Christianity a privatized, otherworldly religion that only thinks Christianity is about going to heaven when you die and has pretty much starting or has given over culture given over the marketplace, given over education, given over family to the world. And what does that mean for us? To realign ourselves with sound doctrine and say we want to be faithful, to follow Jesus and bring the gospel into all of life. I really appreciate that from you too. I know that's that's not easy. It is done in love, and uh, we are grateful for it. And then now as a people, we say, okay, what is the hope? That's hard to hear. That's hard to hear for me, and I heard it first service. <laughs> when I heard it a second time, I'm like, whoa. It's hard to hear. So it's hard to hear, but there's hope. There's hope for us. There's hope in the gospel. There's hope for the African church. There's hope for the American church. Demolash, we just love to to hear from you and the hope that we have.
2: Thank you. Even though we're talking about this broken world issue, the challenge we have as a Christian from the West or from the the South, uh, we share uh, the same Lord, we share the same kingdom. So the Lord is coming back, coming soon, and uh, we have that great hope. But until he comes, he has already assigned us, you know, he gave a gift, talents to work. Until it's fully, you know, recovered, Jesus will come and uh, we enjoy the, full, uh, uh, the fullness of the creation, the goodness of the creation when he comes. As we pray, you know, uh, let thy kingdom come. Uh, so we are here assigned to work as uh, kingdomizers, to work his you know uh, in areas where he has already given us to do. So during the restoration, that's our part. The Lord will come with rewarding, and uh, we praise him and uh, we enjoy uh, the life which we are aspiring, looking forward. So until then, we have to reach out our uh, community. We have to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, He's coming back, yes. there is a hope uh, for the poor, for the lost, or for the rich. If the riches cannot not satisfy everything. So the hope will come and uh, by then we all get fulfilled. So that's one of the encouraging uh, point where Ethiopian church is preaching in areas of very dangerous areas where there is extremists, and uh, we're taking the good news to those people. And uh, the American church also uh, supposed to share the good news, both in, in uh, preaching and, and in practical way of uh, in the marketplace or public place. So there is hope. Jesus is coming soon. We enjoy life forever and ever. Amen.
0: Amen. There's a, a verse, Titus, chapter 1, verse 2. He says that, Paul has been equipped as an apostle, a servant of Jesus Christ for the sake of God's elect, and there is a hope, he says, in eternal life. Because we are a people that strive for the kingdom. God, we pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven today. We pray for that, for a restoration and a reconciling of all that is broken in life today. However, life's hard, (laughs) Following Jesus is not easy. God never said it would be. And there is a longing for the kingdom to come in its fullness. There's a longing for eternal life and say, Lord Jesus, come again. Make things new because we see all these areas in Ethiopia. We see it in the American church. Things aren't the way they should be. Heal it today. But we long, Lord Jesus, come again quickly and heal it. Would you just thank these guys for being up here with us? Please.